0: You're about to get some information you can actually use. It's what we do here on American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson.
1: Are you Zoomed out yet? As life seems to get back to normal, we are trying to replace Zoom meetings with something called personal interactions, you know, in real life. I'll, get, I'll look that up. I'll see what it's all about. I will get back to you on that on a future episode. I'm Mike Ferguson. Hey, thanks for staying with us on American Viewpoints. Joined now by Andres Laris from the Shapiro Negotiations Institute. And as much as we joke about the lack of uh, real-life contact over the past 12 to 15 months and everybody's on Zoom, uh, virtual meetings are really likely to stick around. There is an efficiency to them, and they're probably going to be here forever at this point. But that does lead to Zoom fatigue, and and that's a real thing. And I know that I've experienced it. Uh, How widespread do we get complaints about people who are saying, I am just sick of being on virtual meetings? I don't mean to pick on Zoom, but just virtual meetings in general.
0: Well, you know what? It's definitely a problem. If you think about the the new hybrid model where we're headed is going to be better. And the reason it's going to be better is you're just not going to have that back-to-back, consistent Zoom meeting, which is the worst possible scenario. And so that will get better but one of the things that we we found out that actually surprises quite a bit is when we were researching for our new book we ended up realizing that there's two reasons why zoom fatigue occurs there's things that are unnatural about constantly being on video calls and so the first is the fact that when you're on a video call it appears like everyone is looking at you, right? You're looking at these boxes of all these different people, and there, it feels like they're all looking at you. Now, in a regular meeting, everyone's looking at the speaker, naturally. In this case, it looks like everyone's looking at you, and there's this extra pressure to always be on, if you will, which you don't feel in a real meeting. The second part is the fact that it also you're seeing yourself the entire time. So you, you think of it in a real meeting, you'd never be looking at yourself in a mirror. And so there's also this extra pressure to always have the proper body language. And you're thinking about how you look, which again, would never be the case. It's just unnatural in a real meeting. So those are the two most common reasons we found why it is, you know, in addition to the fact of just staring at the screen the whole time, it can be so impactful. And, and so we are hearing a lot of it, but at least there is a light at the end of the tunnel because once we're in hybrid meetings, it won't be back to back to back and it'll be broken up a little bit more.
1: Now, those aspects of Zoom meetings you just described, or virtual meetings you just described, does that have an impact on our productivity at work? Could it have an impact on us personally in some way?
0: Absolutely. And if you look at, you know, just um, you know, just in that sort of wave of thinking, so just smiling, for example, in front of a meeting. So if you think about combating Zoom fatigue for a second, if you smile before a meeting and you sort of get yourself in a positive mindset. That can very quickly actually change your mood. And if it changes your mood, you can be more optimistic and more positive, and that'll change the way a meeting goes. So if you think of just the impact of smiling and just a little bit of an attitude change, well, certainly if you think of Zoom fatigue, where you're the extreme of you're tired going back to back, your productivity, so your ability to really retain the information that's covered, the the likelihood that you're going to innovate or come up with new ideas while you're on these meetings, it just goes lower and lower. And so, again, it's it's not to bash it because it's the best that we could do in a pandemic that sprung upon us. But definitely as we're thinking ahead, it's something that we want to avoid
1: in the future. We're visiting with Andres Lares from the Shapiro Negotiations Institute. OK, so what do we do about it, Andres? I mean, if we want to make the best of the situation here, uh, what are some ways to not just make it uh, more productive, but more enjoyable, or at least more comfortable if we're doing these meetings time and time again. Because I found myself you know, in 2020 uh, on a number of meetings via Zoom or via Skype, and then the, the small group at church wanted to do it by Zoom, and then family wants yeah. to do it by Zoom. And by the end of the day, I don't want anything to do with anything that has any electricity running through it whatsoever. <laughs>
0: Well, you're definitely not the only one. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, it was friends and then family and then work. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not, and work is no longer nine to five because we we're all working remotely and then there's just no division at all. So it, um, you know, there are a few things you can do, luckily. And, uh, you know, the first is just a very simple one, but even the way you start meeting. So one of the things, if you think of sort of early on in the pandemic, a lot of people couldn't really remember or know what day it was. Everything just blended together in the same way, Zoom calls, that occurs. And so one of the things you can do is start it a little bit differently with something unique, whether it's an icebreaker. or. And the reason is, our brain almost just goes on repeat mode. Every time we have a Zoom meeting, we're just there. We're only going to talk when we need to, provide nothing more, and just sort of move on to the next one. But if you break it up and, and essentially give yourself a little jolt by asking a, you know, a unique question around, hey, Mike, uh, you know, I know you're in uh, the Northeast. How are those cicadas doing? You know, It's all of a sudden you're talking about that for a few minutes and you get into it. It's sort of a nice breakaway. And so for those few minutes, you almost forget that you're in a Zoom meeting. And and so I I liken it to if you're in a really good movie, you know, you're watching a movie in a theater and and you almost don't realize you're watching a movie if it's a really good movie and you're really immersed. Well, that's the feeling if you do it well in a Zoom meeting. So having some of that personal conversation that's a little bit different can do that. It's a nice change of pace. So that's the first. Um, The second is, is actually not always using Zoom. And so, uh, and when, again, when we say Zoom, we're talking really about video meetings, but not always using video. And so one of the rules of thumb is we talk about the, you know, the complexity of the conversation really should uh, adjust what the, you know, the richness of the medium is. And so what I mean by that is the first time you speak with someone, you're trying to develop a relationship, there's a lot of complexity to that. That is, and so there's a, the richness of the video can help. So definitely use video there. And so, if you're having a difficult conversation with someone, something, you know, you're walking them through something complex or it's something sensitive, again, use video. But for those everyday conversations, not only can you use, you know, just a regular call, but that allows you to be flexible. So if we're working remotely, even in this new hybrid, you know, the future, you can be walking around outside your neighborhood. You can be walking in a park, sitting in a park, taking a call. And so that gives you now two aspects. One is you're not sort of looking at yourself the entire time. Like you said, they're not always looking at you. Your eyes don't have to be staring at the screen that time. And it's a nice change of pace. So that's the second one that you can do. And, you know, we've actually learned this from folks that have been doing remote for a long time. If you think about it, I know it forced many people to do it for the first time, but for, you know, for well over 10 years, there's been some folks, especially in, you know, a lot of the B2B consultative sales, things like that, that have been remote forever. And they've got a lot of best practices and that's one of them. Um, And then finally, the the third one is another thing you can do is around ending meetings a little bit early. So, for example, rather than scheduling, you know, uh, 60 minutes, scheduling 45 And if you do that, it gives you sort of that 15-minute break of not staring at the screen the whole time, gives you a little bit of time to step away from your desk and everyone else, and gives you a little time to prepare for the next meeting. If you have back-to-back meetings, you have no time between, so you come in stressed. And again, I talked about the impact of a simple smile that can change your mood, come in more positive. Well, obviously the opposite can occur if you're going 60 minutes to 60 minutes, you're three minutes late for your next meeting and you didn't have time to prepare. How does that feel? Not great. And so you can avoid that by ending it, you know, scheduling for 45 minutes, for example, and and going that way.
1: I think everybody's going to be in favor of shorter meetings. So I think you're going to get a lot of fans on that. All right. So uh, you've described those people want to find them in uh, written form. Uh, Where can they connect with you, either website, social media, anything like that?
0: Yeah, so um, uh, first of all, the most exciting thing for us is uh, we're coming up with our fifth book, but in, for, my, uh, if, if for my personal aspect, it's uh, the most important because it's the first time I've written a book, Persuade, comes out July 7th, and then our website is uh, com, and so we're a sales negotiation influence training company, so if anyone ever has any needs in that area or just wants to talk shop, we're always available.
1: Okay, and once again, the name of the book is what? Persuade. Persuade, and we just find that, I'm sure, wherever books are sold, Amazon, places like that, correct?
0: Uh, yeah, and uh, now more than ever, we're we working remotely. I think Amazon has become the ultimate behemoth, so that's yeah. definitely the first place to find it.
1: All right, Andres, really appreciate the uh, inside, just kind of real-life stuff that maybe, maybe will help people go, okay, I make, can make that part of my life just a little bit more comfortable. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Well, just ahead, the post office is in trouble financially speaking. What's it going to take to save it? Or how about this question? Should we save it at all or just let the private sector do the job? It's coming your way right here on American Viewpoints.